Welcome to the FPC Thomasville podcast. We believe human life has a designer, so learning to live by design will help you thrive within all your spheres of influence. Today, Dr. Tim Philston will share a message titled, Listening to Your Design, as part of our Unhurried Sermon Series. The scripture passage for today is Galatians 5, 15-26, which will help us answer the question, Can a better pace bring bigger peace? I was standing in front of a cabinet in the kitchen and I opened it up and a bottle fell out and just instinctively just grabbed it like with my fingers like this right before it hit the countertop. And I looked around, nobody saw it. Don't you hate that? You know, I mean, do something like that and then it's like there's no witnesses. A friend of mine uh, last week told me that uh, he was in a basketball game. He took a basketball. It was halftime and he was walking across the court and he just kind of went like this and he could see out of his peripheral vision, it was nothing but net. And there were all these people like, yeah, you know, and I was like, that never happens to me, you know? What happens to me is what, what people see when I act like the, uh, like the golden retriever in, um, in Up, you know, the guy who's always going, twirl, you know? And, and so when I do something impulsively that I don't want people to see, there's all kinds of folks around, you know? Uh, and and our, our bodies are always talking to us, aren't they? They're, they're telling us things that Sometimes they are not telling us things that we need to do. Buy this. Eat that. Say this. You know, we have these impulses that don't always lead to restfulness. They don't always lead to rest. Sometimes they make us restless. The way that our bodies feel sometimes. The things, the impulses that we have. It kind of makes you wonder if, if the... If the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, as it says in 1 Corinthians 6, then why is it that we don't have more control over our impulses? Or maybe to tweak the question a little bit, how can we have more control over our impulses? If the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and the spirit of Christ, the risen Christ, the power that raised Christ from the dead, is at, alive and at work in us to bring us from death to life, shouldn't we expect that here and now we would gain a greater sense of peace? Well, we can when we find a better pace. And that is to follow the way we're designed to follow in the steps of the Holy Spirit. From the Word of God, Galatians 5, starting with verse 13. Hear God's word this morning. Starting with verse 16. Would you turn in your Bibles with me and, and follow along? Galatians 5, 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality 
idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. May God bless us this morning. For this is holy word. Let us pray. God bless us now through your word, not only to our minds to understand, but to our hearts to believe that through our hands and feet we may live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so our bodies talk to us, right? Uh, a friend of my wife uh, said to her daughter, food talks to you, doesn't it? Food talks to you, right? We all have impulses. Buy this, eat that, say this. And when we act on those impulses, it doesn't always lead to rest. Sometimes it, it leads to unrest. So how do we keep in step with the Spirit? Well, we need to understand how to walk according to God's design. So this morning, let's, let's look at I want to add just a, a little image here that I think can help us because, you know, it comes from a, another place in the Bible. Here, it's, it's talking about keeping in step with the Spirit, but the Spirit is often likened to the wind, right? So when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he talks about the Spirit moving by quoting Ecclesiastes 11.5. He says, the Spirit... Uh, comes and blows like the wind. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes. And so this morning, I want you to picture a sailboat. The sails catch the wind. A sailboat heads in a particular, at a particular angle and direction, and it leaves a wake. So let's, let's look at the power of God that fills our sails. The angle that that benefits us when we follow that, that breeze and what we leave behind. First, the, there's a wind to catch, and it's the, the power of the Spirit. The wind to, to fill our sails that motivates us, that moves us, it's the power of the Spirit. In other words, uh, the, the, the way that we come to experience the power of God is the way that we experience it from the beginning, the way you'll experience it tomorrow and the next day, the way that you experienced it originally is repentance unto faith. That, that, that we, we connect with God and the power of the Spirit through the conviction of where we are and the motivation of where we need to be. I mean, it, it happens that way throughout our whole life, that God is, is revealing more of our need 
so that he can bring more of our supply. Repentance unto faith is to connect with God relationally and find the power of the Spirit. Now, our bodies, our bodies motivate us too, not just the Spirit motivating, our bodies motivate us, as we've been talking about, and they don't always take us in the direction we want to go. You know, we're the golden retriever that sees the squirrel. And, you know, when my dog sees a squirrel, it's like, she can't help it. She's got to save the the house. You know, there's something wrong outside and she's going to claw her way outside. If we don't open the door, she's going to get that squirrel. And maybe because every time the squirrel appears, somebody says, squirrel, hey, there's a squirrel. But that's what our bodies do. You know, they kind of talk to us and they take us in impulsive directions that don't always lead to peace and rest. Now, there were, uh, at the time, around this Galatian church, uh, there were a a group of people that are called the Judaizers, and and they were a group of Christians who were going back to the law to try to deal with this impulsiveness that we have, this old nature that we have. And they were saying, you know, you just need to to try harder, all right? If you, if you find yourself going in the wrong direction, doing the things you don't want to do, doing the things that you thought you were past, just try harder. You know, it's a little like, um, it, it's very much like this old Bob Newhart sketch. And some of you may remember this, where this woman walks in, she's got this problem, and she reveals to him this problem. She's just poured her heart out in this great fear that, that she has. And Bob Newhart looks at her, and he's playing the role of a psychiatrist. And he says to her, he says, all right, now, Catherine, I want you to just... Remember these two words. I want you to think about these two words. I'm going to tell you, and this is going to solve your problem. And she says, okay, should I write this down? He says, well, it's, it's just two words, and I, I think most people can find that, that uh, they can remember these two words. Do I sound a little like Bob Newhart? I'm trying to stutter a little bit. You know, it's kind of like the way he does this. You know? So he says, all right, so, so Catherine, are you ready? She says, I'm ready. He says, stop it. <laughs> just stop it. And she says, well, what do you mean? And he says, you know, I think it's funny. You know, I always say this to people, and they always come back with this puzzled confusion. Like, what, what do you mean? I mean, he says, he says, it's pretty clear. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. Stop it. And she says, okay, so I just need to stop it. And he says, yes. And she says, oh, okay. Well, uh, I still have some more time on the clock. Can I tell you some other things? And she'll tell him uh, these other problems that she's having, and, and he keeps saying, stop it, stop it. Well, that's what these Judaizers are saying. And this is what Paul is speaking to, this, this idea that somehow we can just sort of will our way to a, a better life, to the good life. That we can just muscle our way through those things that trip us up, those impulses that we have. And Paul is saying, you, you've left the power of the Spirit. And Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to leave with you. In Matthew 28, he says, I'm going away, but I'm leaving with you the Spirit. You say, Tim, I, I, this is kind of strange. I mean, I, I, I thought this was a Presbyterian church. We're, not, we're only supposed to talk about the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, and that's not for a few more months, you know? I mean, once a year, we put the red on, and, and we talk about the Holy Spirit. But see, the Spirit of God that... that that we trust in to bring us new life is at work in you, and that power is at work in you in a particular way. What is the way? Not just to stop it, but repentance unto faith. The very thing that brought you to Christ in the beginning is the thing that continues to connect you to Christ and bring you the power of the Spirit. Let me illustrate. All right, so this is kind of a crazy illustration, but 
I think it works. So here's, here's, here's this donkey that falls in a pit, all right? This farmer's donkey falls in this deep pit. It's over his head. And he says, well, I can't get that donkey out of here, so I'm just going to put him out of his misery. So he starts shoveling dirt on him. I know this is horrible. It's a terrible image, but just hang in there, okay? So, so he, he, he takes the shovel, and he starts piling dirt on this donkey. And he, the dirt hits his back, and the donkey kind of says, I'm being buried alive. This is terrible. So he shakes it off, right? And then he steps up on top of that dirt. And then another shovel load comes. He shakes it off, and he steps up on top of the dirt. Well, after a couple hours of this, the donkey is halfway out of the pit, all right? Well, that's you. That's me. That's repentance unto faith. It's like, here is the dirt of our lives, of our impulses, of the ways that we tend to function in the base level of our human nature. And here we say, Lord, here I am again, covering myself in soot. Forgive me. And you shake it off. And you trust that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive and at work in you to bring you power to overcome. You say, isn't there something more, Tim? Aren't I supposed to? You see, this is what we're saying. Welcome to trusting Jesus. This is what it looks like. Repentance unto faith. If you trusted him with your eternal life, can you not trust him to bring you the power to overcome? We'll get back to that in a minute. So the first part is there's a wind to catch. And the way you catch the power of the Spirit is the way you caught it in the beginning, repentance unto faith. Well, second is this. There's, there's a direction to meet. If you've ever been sailing, you know that, that there's a way to optimize your pace, right? That if you hit the right angle, if you trim the sail, if you pull in that sheet line, if you get the, the sail just at the right degree, then you can start to hear that rudder board go, that dagger board just kind of buzz a little bit. And, and, you, get, and you get that, you know, when I was young, we had a little sunfish. I'm describing kind of that feeling of being in that little teeny sunfish sailboat. And, and, and th- there was a point that we had to get out beyond. And a lot of times there was ver- barely a breeze in, in the cove. And, and, and you'd just be going along very, very slowly, very, very slowly. And then, and then, we get out beyond that point, and here's the breeze, and boom. And if you had it just at the right angle, you better hang on and lean back because you're going over, right? You see, there's, there's a design to your life. And so often we think of the Ten Commandments as this, this limiting thing instead of this freeing channel, instead of this angle that we're called to go for what is beneficial to us. You see, there's a, there's a, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 6 that, that informs this passage. They're very similar to each other. And it's the passage where, where Paul comes right out and says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's 1 Corinthians 6. I want to read that to you now. Because I think it, it says something to us about the design that we have within limits. He says this. Verse 12, 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things are lawful for me. You see, in in Galatians 5, it says, you're not under the law. If you walk by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So Paul says in in 1 Corinthians 6, all things are lawful 
for me. All things. Hmm. Then he goes on, he says, but not all things are beneficial. So what he's not saying is, and this is what some people think, God loves to forgive. I love to sin. What a deal. All right. I like this deal. I'll take that deal. That's not what he's saying. All things are lawful, but you're not under the law. You've got a new motivation. You've got a new connection. You have a relationship with God. You've got the power of the Spirit. You're not under the law. You're no longer dominated by your old nature, but it still influences and it can take you in directions that aren't good for you. And so often we think, to, think of our faith in terms of do's and don'ts, shoulds and shouldn'ts, hampering our freedom when what God is saying is find the optimal direction and maximize your freedom. He wants the best for us. He wants us to understand what's beneficial. And sometimes we know that in our head. We don't, we don't experience it, right? We don't really internalize it. It's kind of like when I was on this plane flight one time, and you know, they tell you time and again, they say, you know, bu buckle your seatbelt. Uh, even when I tell you, you can move about the cabin just because you never know when turbulence is going to hit, right? So I was sitting there and you know that, right? You've heard this rule. It's kind of like, keep your seatbelt buckled, you know, just in case we hit unexpected turbulence. And we know that in our head, right? But we, do we do it? Do you do it? Do you? Do you? Uh-huh. You're like me. You don't do it, do you? You keep your seatbelt off. Uh-huh. You're like, now this is limiting. I'm sorry. This is just too limiting. I'm going to keep my seatbelt off. So my seatbelt was off, and so we hit this turbulence, and the, the cart, you know, the service cart, it goes up in the air like a foot, and boosh, like that. And then it was quiet, and I heard this. Click, 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 click. <laughs> and I clicked. Yeah, I clicked my seatbelt, too. You see... Like I said earlier, when we were approaching the Apostles' Creed, these doctrines, they're experience. They're an experience with the Spirit. They're not just words on a page. They're not dry bones. They're not this uh, sense of rules and regulations and rights and wrongs that are set to limit us. But now, with the freedom that we have in Christ, we have the power to obey out of a sense of gratitude and all of that. But, but also, we, we know that God wants the best for us. And so we try to find that angle, that angle to catch the wind at its optimal you know, push. You know, I, I, let's apply this, what I'm saying. The idea that, that God doesn't want to limit us in order just to limit us and shut us down, but to optimize life, freedom, rest. Peace. This past week, I was reading two different responses, two different kinds of responses to the halftime show uh, at, at the Super Bowl last weekend. And there were just two kinds of responses. One was, you know, pro and the other was con, right? As you'd expect, okay? We're, we're for this because this empowers women or we're against this because this crossed the line. And, and I'm watching these two, you know, sides go at each other. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, <laughs> this is not... This is not how Christians respond. You know, we don't, we don't just say, oh, you know, we've got freedom, right? And so we're just going to go do whatever we want and not worry about. But on the other hand, we don't condemn people just because they've crossed the line. You know, when the world acts like the world, we shouldn't be surprised. <gasps> oh, my goodness, I can't believe there was a wardrobe malfunction, right? 
Oh, come on, you're just sitting there? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Don't pretend to be Presbyterian with me, y'all. You know, I mean, we act like this. We have this reaction to the world when it acts like the world. How should we react as people who have the benefits of the Spirit of God? Where's the compassion? I read this third response to that halftime show. Not like the pro and not like the con, but somebody who just had compassion. She said, she, she was writing, and this is on a website called CPYU. It's a Center for Parent and Youth Understanding. Great site, a guy that I've known for many, many years, and he's an expert in, in, in adolescence, if you can believe that such a thing exists. But, so he's writing, he's, he's, he's invited this guest uh, columnist, and she's writing about women across the country reduced to dancing for men who are paying for it. And she's, she's explaining the need for compassion for someone who has to do that in order to make ends meet. And then, this was surprising, she expressed her compassion for the men who lack the impulse control, who crawl into these places to pay for it. And that's a Christian response. That's someone who knows, look, we have the benefits of the limits of Christ, that we don't become reduced, that we don't leave our dignity at the door, that we don't leave our nobility behind just because our impulses, our bodies are talking to us. You see, not all things are beneficial. And so we we have to understand that God does want the best for us when he's pointing us in a particular direction. And finally this, we have a wake to leave. The, the, the boat that's cutting through the surface of the water is leaving a wake behind. And that's the fruit of the Spirit, hopefully for you, Christian. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul here is contrasting the fruit of the Spirit with the works of the flesh. Now, flesh is a loaded word in the New Testament, and the flesh sometimes just simply means the sinful nature. And so uh, when you're talking about the works of the flesh, he's really playing upon language. And when you look behind the language of works, what you see is public works or works of art. And so he's sort of, he's sort of tweaking the nose of these Judaizers who are saying, through works, through just trying harder, through Bob Newhart's just stopping, he's saying, What are those works? You want to try harder? This is what you're going to get. Here's the result. Here's the wake you leave behind when you just sort of bear down on your human nature and try to wrestle it on your own. And he gives this what's called a vice list. And there's several places in the New Testament where Paul imports sort of commonly known Greek vice list. It's not exhaustive. It's just exemplary. And he says... Here they are. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, and it goes on. These are the result, the product, the byproduct, the wake of that raw human effort. But I said I'd get back to this. 
repentance of, the, of faith, repentance unto faith, when we connect with God again and again, when we simply lay before him, look, God, I did it again. Help me, heal me, guide me. This pattern, God has promised to meet you in that place such that at some point, you know, let's, just, let's just try one of these on for size. Someone who just annoys you and they, they frustrate you and they bring out the worst in you and you feel angry every time you're with them and they say that thing that pushes your buttons and then over a season and over a season, you, know, you, you confess that before God, you lay it before the Lord, you say, Lord, this is my weakness and will you bring me your power, your strength? And in that pattern, that pattern, you find yourself one day just sitting next to that person and those things that they said that once triggered a reaction, here you are showing love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. Let's pray together. Holy God, and we thank you that you've not left for us merely your good example, but you've given us the power of the Spirit. And not only that, you have given us your word that guides us to keep in step with the Spirit. Lord, build within us the conviction of our own failings that we may not condemn when we see others fail, that we'll see ourselves in their failures, that we'll find ourselves received again and again, time and again, with our failures, confessed, laid before you, and finding in exchange the power to walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.